and welcome back to Scale Your Sales podcast. This is the second part of Scale Your Sales Takeover with my good friend, Kim. In this episode, we talk about scale and scale your sales framework and what's unique and different about what I offer my customers. And a question she asked me is, why do customers decide to work with me? So we talked about customer uh, centricity and we talked about what I believe buyer experience is the forerunner before customer experience and how that all has an impact on sales. And then the relationship of scale, uh, the uh, data uh, informed analyst survey that that creates sales efficiency and sales effectiveness, and that being the foundation to scale your sales framework, which allows us to really build the competitive advantage in the strategies as a customer-centric organization. So you're going to hear more about that uh, from me being interviewed by Kim in the Scale Your Sales second part of the takeover. Hello, my name is Kim Hamer. This is Scale Your Sales podcast, and this is a podcast takeover. So without further ado, let me welcome to the Scale Your Sales podcast, my special guest and podcast host, Janice B. Gordon. If you understand them so well, it's a lot easier for you to grow those revenues, accelerate those customer. And from my kind of key account management days, I always say we're not going to do this for everyone, but we really need to intimately understand who are our key clients. Who are the top 20% that give us 80% of the rate? If you, don't, if you cannot be bothered to really invest and understand their whole operation, not just mm. the client that you have, but the whole operation, their industry, they're giving you all of this revenue and you're not doing that, that in-depth research. So that's the focus. The thing is, once you nail those top 20, there's going to be another kind of, if you draw a kind of circle outside of that, people that are more attracted to you because they want what that top 20 are having from you. They want that relationship. So it's up to them to kind of um, uh, bring up their, their whether it's their quantities or their revenues or, or whatever. So you only really need to focus on a niche group of really important people. Identify who, who they are, which is what we do in the scale your sales um productive scale your sales framework, the productivity side of really understanding who those key groups of, of people are. And then you know once you've understood those those people you need to make sure you keep them retention 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 and acceleration mm. you know you need yep. to keep them but you need to if you understand them so well it's a lot easier for you to grow those revenues accelerate those customer relationships really move the relationships and and this is what we talk about in terms of attraction move those relationships into partnerships if your customers are growing and you're partnering them, you're developing more for them, then why would they go anywhere else? You become part of their business plan. You're partnering them. You're anticipating their needs. You're growing with them. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you want. You want to grow with your key customers. Yeah. And I, I love that, um, you know, that analogy because, you know, it's kind of like, 
we get excited about the sale and we're going to go, oh, yay, you know, celebration. But it's not a one and done. If you want to retain customers, you need to be thinking about where they're going and how they're growing and what challenges might be up there. So you have this, as you say, this relationship that is more partner oriented rather than transactional. So you can be part of finding solutions together. You know, this whole world of collaboration and co-creation and all of that sort of thing. And I think it, not just technology, but I think the way that we're emerging as a society is much more geared towards co-creation. This one and done, I do it on my own. It, it is kind of falling a bit by the wayside and those that are holding on to it are kind of struggling. So my question um, to that is, and you're probably going to say yes, uh, so is sales a team game? And I'd like to understand a little bit more about how it's a team game and the different roles and, and that sort of thing if you think it is a team game. And if you don't think it is, then tell me why. <laughs> I think it depends on, you know, sales. The sales industry is from you know, very much transactional, you know, mm. selling widgets and very yeah. competitive and price um, orientated to highly complex, high value sales. So it depends on where you are on that line as to uh, whether this is relevant. And I'm, I only work in the, you know, B2B space. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, interesting thing about that, the B2B space, follows B2C. So, you know, like they say, success leaves clues. And it's yeah. really understanding that B2B, business to business is not really business to business. What it is, is individual to individual within those business contexts. And so once you understand that, you see the relationship of, of B2C. So, it's a team sport and it uh because i'm i work more on the kind of complex side than the transactional side absolutely it is a team sport and i tell you why it's not just in the way that you know the team sport um in that you your sales operation may have um uh you know you might have technical sales uh, you might have um, uh, customer success. You, you know, like I don't mean team sport in, in that way. What I mean is that my view of the way that we sell is to be customer centric, to be really focused on the customer. To re so it's a team sport in that it's uh, the operation of the whole business. There is the phrase, everyone works in sales. Everyone in your business has an impact on that customer remaining with you. So I, um, one of my um, clients that I, I, I worked with, they doubled their revenue in less than nine months. And one of the problems was that the salespeople, whether in Chile, China, Russia, would um, an, a seller and a contract, it would then go internally to their finance department. The finance department would knock it back saying, it doesn't meet our terms, <laughs> right? So this is very internally focused. Now it's important that the finance department, the, the legal department, all these are protecting their interests, but they've never been out of the country. 
They have no idea of what it's like to do business in Russia. The person, the salesperson sitting in Russia understands that environment or Chile or China, you know, or, you know, and how that's different to America. We have our set of terms. You meet our, uh, our requirements. So now you're spending six months, that salesperson's losing the will to buy all of the blocks internally in order to get that through. And often it's so difficult for the customer to do business with these organizations that they prefer to do it with the nimbler, even the smaller um, organizations. It's so difficult getting these contracts through. So uh, that's, so we that's, if there's a block there, we need to remove the block. And it's like, how can we make the organization understand what it's like to sell? And that's often a, a bit of a disconnect within organizations. We have all of these different silos and we know about the silos often between marketing and sales, but that's not the only silos. There's silos in the technical um, teams or the legal teams or the, you know, and so it's about you have, in order to be customer centric, you will often have to reorientate your organization in order to make sure that you remove those blocks. Mm. You've got to make it really easy for the customer to work with you. And there's lots of research out there that, that customers, B2B customers are finding it more difficult. 77% say that it's more difficult to, to buy, to do business with these organizations. So that's what I mean about the sales stack and the extra complexity. We're losing the focus of what we're trying to do. What is the outcome? What is the outcome for the customer? You know, what is the impact for the customer? The other thing that I, I say to a lot of my, my leaders is if the decision that you in the C-suite are making around the table, if you do not know the impact that has on your customer and on their end user, why the hell are you making that decision? If you haven't measured that, why are you making the decision? And it's a bit of a no-brainer, really, when you're a customer-centric organization. You've always got that customer in the seat at the table. That makes a massive difference. When I say it's a team sport, it's an organizational sport, and it's about that change in, in mindset to really understand the whole point of your existence and how you have to reorientate your organization to be so focused on the customer that the sales just comes in. Fantastic. So why why then it, does it not happen more? Why are there not more customer centric organizations? Why, you know, I hear this kind of thing happen all the time. You know, decisions made at the C-suite level or at the board table with very little discussion about, well, how will that impact our customer? There might be a, how will it impact our sales, but not a lot of discussion about, well, what does that mean for our customer and their experience of us as an organization? Why, why isn't it done more often? What do you think the, the big barriers are to that? I think, well, the, the organizations that are moving in that direction, and it is a transformational change. It's not easy. Um, they're competing, creating competitive advantage at every level of, of their business. And as, as painful as it can be, I go for the quick wins first of all, 
But as painful as it, it can be, they're seeing the real benefits of, of investing in the tenure in order to move and transform the, the organization. Why is it not happening? Um, it's because often organizations don't know how. When I have the conversation, they say they kind of like acknowledgement, yeah, we know, yeah, it's like this, yeah, yeah. But there isn't, unless you have the CEO, the C-suite at the table that really understands are willing to go forward with this. I will speak to um, sales VPs and, and they're on board. However, they're still measured um, uh, uh, on the kind of old sales metrics. So you're trying to move the behaviors to be customer centric, but if the metrics are measuring the nuts and bolts of, you know, like the conversion rates and, you know, I mean, what's the point in uh, converting more, more uh, low end clients? What is the point of that? But if that's your measure, then you're, you know, you're actually um, creating behaviors that you don't want. So you've got to get the um, C-suite educated on how, what kind of measures they need to, uh, in order to be customer centric. It takes a while just to do that in the C-suite, let alone how that actually filters down. So, you know, what I say is let's start with one division. Let's get a quick win in that division. It's often sales because that's the core of all of it which is what happened in this organization you know the example i gave you they're, they're quick win doubling their their revenue in less than nine months suddenly the c-suite was was taking that thing how on earth did this happen right okay now we are telling the finance and legal department the legal department want those wins as well the way that their measures uh have have to change and so now it's starting to uh, in fact, the rest of the organization that really under, start to understand now the uh, legal and finance and marketing people are interested to hear what sales have to say and even putting them in front of some of the customers, bringing the customers in to talk about what their experience was like to buy and so that they can hear from the customer what they need to change. But can you imagine saying, I want you to sit in front of one of our customers to you know legal finance whatever and they say no way i you know i've got other i've got other things on my plate why, it's, why not, it's not my job my <laughs> job exactly so it really has to be led by the c-suite the ceo really needs to understand that they need to start measuring different behaviors if they want a different outcome so there is a lot of uh, thought leadership that actually goes on and understanding how to implement this, where we're going to, to, to start with it. Um, that's why it hasn't been done. Sales, the sales industry has been um, sticking with the seven steps sales process for the last 50 years. We didn't even have the internet around at that time. Right? It's, it's madness to me that we're still doing something that we did 50 years ago. That is the core. And we're having all of these little fixes, these um, apps and technology that are fixing the things that are not working to create this extra, you know, complication and making it more difficult for our buyers to buy. We need to strip that all out and really understand why we're we here 
what is our purpose, what's the outcome for our customers, and work back from there. How are we going to achieve that? This is going to be your ultimate future-proofing your business, and also your, you know, your customers are, are going to your competitive advantage for your customers as well. Wow. So there are a few reasons why people aren't doing it. Uh, so I think the other thing um, that I sort of want to dig into a bit off the back of that is something we, well, we talked about, I actually grilled you on this, like, what is it you actually do? Like, what, you know, what do you do when you go into organisations and, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm really, I, I'd love for you to share a little bit more with your audience. This is your tribe where we're talking to today about, you know, how do you, you talk a lot about, you know, diagnosis. It, it's actually about diagnosing the correct cause, the root cause. And, and as a mechanic, you would love that language. Um, <laughs> we learned the ta talent dynamics. Um, but, you know, how, how do you go into these complex organisations um, and, and sort of diagnose the, the challenge in such a way that it shifts the C-suite to give it a try. Talk a little bit about, you know, what you do. What's the Janice B. Gordon approach, if okay. that's not giving away secrets? No, no, not at all. Happy to talk about it. So the Scale Yourself framework, there's an, a way to access the, the framework. So I'll talk about scale and I'll talk about Scale Yourself framework. So scale is a diagnostic, uh, a predictive and validated data source. And I call it scale. I didn't design it. I wish I did, because it's incredible. It's been going for the last 25 years. So I'm a partner in, um, of part of that business. And what happens, the reason why that this is a great starting point to work with me is because I can talk about scale yourself framework, uh, you know, your people, your processes, closing the gap, you know, because we ultimately want to get to the customer centric organization, the customer um, strategies that you use in order to create competitive advantages for your customers. However, still what's core to all of this foundational is your sales operation. And if your sales operation is working inefficiently, it's not effective, and you don't know where the inefficiencies are, then it doesn't really matter what you do, what you put on top of those foundations, there's, you're still going to be leaking out opportunities. So the foundational element is called scale. What it is, it's, um, it, uh, it's the sales revenue acceleration based on data-informed analysis. So salespeople, they do do a questionnaire, even from hiring as well and sales leadership. The questionnaires, the questions have uh, are predictive questions as to what is best practice, what is what does success look like across 200 industries. There are 2.3 plus million completed this questionnaire. We've gone back and validated it so that we know what is predictive. So we know what um, competencies leads to success. We also are able, based on the data that we get from the individual organization, 
knowing what industry they're in, uh, what's their their um, uh, the value size of their contract, so forth, all of that information, we can demonstrate what is the gap that the money they're leaving on the table. I call that the opportunity sales opportunity gap. So we get the salespeople, we do the questionnaire, we identify this opportunity gap. From an individual point of view, we can say, okay, if we coach this person on these things, where uh, then we can make them into our top performers, right? These are the individual gaps for that person. For another person, they're going to be other individual gaps that are completely fundamental for them being top performers. You've got to fill those gaps because they're laying on top a, a sales uh, strategy if they're not able to meet those those um, um, those objectives, right? Then the sales leaders, the managers, they have coaching points that sales managers are very bad at coaching because they don't know what to coach. But if you have a report on each of your individuals and you now know how to coach them to be top performers, then, you know, away you go. So if you're you, you're you want your operation to work efficiently, then when we are talking about. Our, our customers. We want to make sure that we're really focused on our key customers, identifying who they are. We want to analyze, you know, what we're leaving on the table in that sales opportunity gap in terms of, you know, where our retention might be in and how we can further accelerate our revenue growth and what strategies we need. That's when we move into scale your sales framework to really kind of nail how we're going to um, uh, develop the relationships with these key identified people, you know, what's the value of the relationships? And if they're, you know, let's say an average of three and they need to be four, what are the strategies to move them up a notch? What do we need to do on an individual? Remember I said business to business, individual to business, uh, to individual. What do we need to do on an individual um, basis in order to move them up? In, and, and making sure that the you know the C-suite, the exec team, is really on board to this and measuring not only the performance of the team but the performance of the strategies that you're putting in in place. I'm really kind of hot on you know we've got the outcomes um, that we want, but we've got to measure how far along we are. We need to know how much of that gap a year later we have closed down. And that's how, you know, I'm able to demonstrate that, you know, we've doubled the revenue because we've closed these gaps. We've doubled the revenue because we're really focusing on who are our valued customers. And so that's that's kind of the scale side, the data analysis, and then the um, scale yourself framework side of things really, and how they kind of, the two fit together. Yeah, and I can, you know, we were talking before about you know, it's an organizational game. It's an organizational sport. So while it might start in this particular place with particular individuals, I sort of think even if they're not um, receiving the direct coaching or insight or that sort of thing, I think it builds a muscle and a culture in the organization that is all about how do we diagnose, how do we develop what the insight is about what we need to shift, how do we take action and how do we measure that action and, and learn what to do next. Um, there's a great saying, you know, you, you, you manage what you measure. If you don't measure it, you like it's not going to happen. And you made that comment really early on in the discussion about 
you know, we've got traditional sales metrics with an organization that's trying to create more emergent sales practices or initiatives or all of that sort of thing. And so there's a there's a pull between the two. The, there's a tension that, that just doesn't work. You know, some tension is good, but, you know, I, speaking as a, you know, a marketer in one of those, you know, sales silos, I know some of the, the tension between marketing and sales, I think, is is just the foundation of what can make an organization great. But it's about building that culture of of measurement and exploration and diagnosis and, and communication. Mm-hmm. I think that that is so, so, so important. So we've talked a lot about um, sort of going into businesses and I love, you know, that when you talk to me about the scale methodology and, and how you use it, you know, it's mind blown in the pub. I went, like, why have I never heard this before? So it's brilliant. Um, so if you, you know, one of the killer questions I like to ask my my, my coaches, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs or even people in organizations who are wanting promotions or wanting to have more influence um, and have their ideas put forward, they always say, so why do people decide to buy from you? We often focus a lot on the testimonials after we've delivered, but that's that's after people have experienced us. And when you talk um, about the buyer experience and the customer experience, so, you know, what is it that makes buyers buy from you when they haven't had that experience of you before? What is it about Janice B. Gordon that makes them go, I've got to work with you? I... I like to just be full and frank yeah and where i'm at and frankly this is a black woman talking to you (laughs) you know if anyone's got a problem with that that's okay it's their problem not mine. and you know i i I think i mentioned that you know like me too and um black lives matter and having um more confidence and really the world has begun to begun it's not there yet to come round to where it can work in my favour. Not very often, but I'll take it, right? Yes, yeah. So generally people feel, all people feel comfortable with me. Okay. You know, not that I'm letting them off the hook by any means, but they can ask me the hard questions and know that I'm not going to let them off the hook. And they, because I'm very good at asking uh, questions. I train people on, you know, active listening and, you know, the three questions. You've only got three questions. I have a whole kind of training um, on that. So I think that people know that they need to do something a little bit different, something a little bit edgy, um, but they also want to be comfortable with the decisions they, 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 they make, whether that's booking me to be on stage or doing a workshop or consultancy. So I think there is that as, as well. And I have, you know, I'm full and frank, you know, it's stating the obvious, but it's true. And then it's the other aspect, my perspective over the years with working in customer um, experience and, you know, sales, that I don't know that there's many people that have my same perspective. There's a lot of people that talk about customer experience and the bedrock to that is employee experience. And I'm not saying that's not true in terms of how you implement it. Yes, it is true. But when I'm talking about it from a a sales and it being leading edge um, 
I'm talking about the buyer's experience. Now, if we think about it, what comes first in our relationship building? It is from the salesperson or sales operation um, to the buyer, the decision maker. If you do not or cannot convey an experience, making it easy and simple, remember they think it's a difficult process. If you cannot convey an experience that they like and enjoy that's people that's make it easy for them, why are we even talking about customer experience? They're not going to become your customer, or if they are your customer, they're looking for a way out. So our focus on customer experience is too late in the customer's journey. I, my focus is on the buying experience, and that is very much embedded within sales and sales and marketing within the sales operation. I always put marketing in with, with, with sales. All right. You know, like nowadays, there isn't much kind of separating them. They're no. not the same, um, um, you know, kind of linear um, view. Yes. So the buyer's experience is critically important. And what happens is you set up their expectations of what the, it's going to be like as a customer. <laughs> and then it just continues but in order to have that, it still comes back to you having an operation, a business that is customer centric and consistently be able to deliver this. But I focus on the buyer's experience because that leads into the customer uh, experience and then, you know, how that kind of impacts on your, your sales revenue. So I have a more unusual perspective on this and have all of the evidence. I do loads of research to absolutely absolutely back this up and and it's it's one of the foundational messages of of um scale your sales framework why we focus on uh the retention of the customer but also focus on you know how we're selling when you're retaining customers you have to remember you're still selling to them they, yes. you know the contract renewals and you know or whether it's you know a SaaS contract you're constantly selling to them. The yeah. operation is still about sales. They're not a customer. It's not one and done, as you mentioned before. So you're constantly selling um, to them. So it's, you know, who are the decision makers? Who are, who are the buyers? Who are the people that you're having, you know, more regular contact with? What is it they're having of how easy it is for them to access that information and help them solve that problems? This is all down to the experience that you you deliver. That's my 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 perspective. That's what I talk about. I talk about being in the head of your customers and your key customers and really understanding what their needs on the experience they want and making it easy for them. I talk more about that than I do talk about sales because yeah. I think we've got an idea of what I think about the sales process. I That's think we have. I talk, <laughs> I talk about the buying process. That's what we need to understand. What is the buying process that we're delivering to give the experience that the buyers and decision makers want? Yeah, and, and I when uh, we talked about this in the pub, I'm sorry, everybody, I just loved this pub conversation. We had such a fun time. Um, and I learned so much about Janet. I muscled my way onto her podcast to talk to her about it. Um, so what I loved is that whole thing. So the, the the difference between a buyer and a customer is just their location on the journey. The press, as you say, is still about how do I experience you as an organisation? Do I like 
doing business with you? Do I get what I need? And that happens, as you say, as a test case before they become a customer and on the books. But actually, once an organisation is a, is a customer, actually, you know, you're still selling to individuals. You know, individuals change, um, needs change. We talked earlier about that partnership experience. So, you know, tapping into that, it's not about the selling process. It's actually talking about the buyer. There's this great um, saying, everyone wants to buy, but no one wants to be sold to. You know, so perhaps there's there's a movement, shall we say, you know, we also always talk about consumers and customers and all of that sort of thing. Maybe we should be thinking about buyers who, you know, why would anybody buy from me? And ask ourselves the question as a business or as an individual, why would anybody buy my idea, my products, my services, my the business that sits behind me? Why would anybody buy that I and promotable, that I can deliver big targets, that I can shift things and make a difference. You know, buying is everywhere. We just don't call we just don't call it that in every area of life, do we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. essentially I have the system and understand the the process that buyers are looking for that forms you know scale yourself framework and it's from an organizational point of view. And what's your if you were going to sum up your uh, vision for 2023 in a couple of words, what would you say your ambition or your vision is for this year? You have just got to love your life, enjoy your life. And if you don't, then you need to change things because we don't know how long we're here. And we've got, you know, all of us, I believe, have have a purpose and we haven't got time to, to waste and you just need to get on it no excuses just just get on it really so I'm you know kind of loving my life and love the people that I I work with and and really want to make a difference fabulous uh and I, I noted down two words from all of that I love focused and fired up it just sums up you and we might add fabulous to the end of that you know three three f words um to represent 2023 um well um Janice, we have been um, sitting in our respective different chairs uh, for quite a while now. So, you know, very reticent, but I'm going to have to give it back to you, I think. Um, but I have loved um, being, you know, in not in the hot seat. It's, you know, <laughs> it's lovely. And, and, and I think it's been, for me, it's been such a brilliant opportunity for me to even know even more about you um, and what you do and, and the scale, you know, diagnostic and the process and, and, and who you are and what you believe in and, and why you are the person you are. It's just been a brilliant opportunity to really um, bring out you um, brand you, for want of a better word. I'm all about building brand you. So, you know, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for trusting me with the hosting seat. I hope everyone has enjoyed this take on Scale Your Sales. And I'm going to leave the last word to Janice. Ooh, what, do you know what? I, it's interesting. It's, I love interviewing I absolutely love interviewing people because you think, oh, I want to ask them that. Oh, that's really interesting. And it's um, it's uh, not as comfortable being on the the other side <laughs> of it. 
but I, I have enjoyed it because so, it's only sometimes when you say things aloud that you really hear yourself. And so, you know, thank you so much for taking over Scale Yourselves um, podcast and, and, and uh, you know, bringing out um, me, <laughs> Rand you, uh, in, the, in this uh, podcast. And I think you're absolutely right. I'm so used to being curious about other people. It doesn't often give other people an opportunity to be curious about me. And certainly you've asked me questions that I would never have said not because I've got anything to hide, because it's just the podcast isn't about me. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Kim. I've really uh, enjoyed and uh, your questioning and uh, you bringing me out of myself. From a shy person, bringing me out of myself. <laughs> shy, what rubbish. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.